Good morning, church. You guys sound amazing today, as you do every week. I want to welcome you here to North, North Christian Church. My name is Keith, Keith the pastor here. We are so uh, thankful, thankful that you had with us in per- person this morning. Uh, one thing we want to do first before we before we going, we have a brand new middle school service that we're offering uh, during our 11 o'clock worship hour. And so if you're in middle school from 6th to 8th grade and you want to uh, join them in the student ministry building, you can do so at this time. If you guys want to stand, uh, Brian's over there in the corner. He's going to raise his hand. He'll lead you guys over there to the student ministry building. So if you guys want to head out, You can go ahead and do that at this time. Also, uh, this morning, if you didn't grab a bulletin when you came in, we really want to encourage you to get a bulletin. So I have a few guys around the room. If you don't have a bulletin, raise raise your hand, and uh, we'll bring bring them around to you and hand them out. They have all the scripture passages uh, listed out, and then this. So hold your hand up as he comes around, Steve comes around, he'll hand those out to you and uh, get a bulletin uh, to you. Uh, Today, we embark on a new journey, a two-week journey in a series called Christ and Culture. Uh, We planned this out months ago. Uh, These next two weekends, so this weekend and next weekend, there's some uh, significant dates within our history. Uh, Tomorrow we uh, celebrate and honor uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His birthday was on Friday. And then then this weekend is the landmark case uh, Roe v. Wade, which we know know legalized uh, abortion in all 50 states. And so we're going to be speaking on that issue next weekend. We're going to have two special guest here with us. Uh, We're going to have ALC Pregnancy Resource Center, which is a ministry that we support uh, here in Shepherdsville and also in Shelby County. And then also Sunrise uh, Children's Services. They are a foster and adoption agency, a faith-based organization uh, that we love. And I think uh, somebody that's coming to our church actually works for that organization as well. So they'll be out uh, as well for next weekend as we speak to uh, the issue of abortion in our culture. And so we, we sit on this journey today, like I said, if you, if, uh, you have a bulletin, look to that, that this morning. A few announcements as you look into that. Uh, the first of which is an awesome, awesome announcement that we want to share with you. Uh, for the year 2020, we just closed out all of our uh, finances uh, for 2020, and we beat budget for 2020, North Bullet Christian Church. Isn't that awesome? Uh, in a year that was crazy, and that wasn't a refined budget that we changed partway through the year. That was the budget that we set out uh, in late 2019 that the congregation approved, uh, and that we beat in the year 2020. It was a year that, if we, we all agree, it was kind of crazy. Uh, so of all, all years that, uh, we acknowledge God's faithfulness and his faithfulness through the generosity of his people in giving to the mission of North Bullet Christian Church. Uh, with that, this morning uh, and every Sunday morning, we pray pray uh, for a missionary that we support. Uh, You can find out more about those missionaries on the sidewall back there. We have a little description of each ministry that we support and then also on our website. This morning we're focusing on Brother Luzma. You guys will probably recognize that name because we've prayed for him quite a few times. He is a missionary to the small nation of Haiti. And if you guys guys know anything about the history of Haiti, it's a very corrupt uh, country and he is fighting an uphill battle there to keep his ministry afloat and to keep uh, spreading the gospel in that land. And so we want to pray for him this morning. We want to pray against uh, the corrupt of the local government as they impede his ministry. And we uh, want to pray that, that we know we're confident that the gospel is sufficient to save and so that the gospel work would continue uh, to go out there in Haiti. So why don't you join with me as we pray uh, for both Brother Luzma and also as we prepare our hearts to receive the word of the Lord this morning. 
Heavenly Father, we do, we do love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, thank you for the opportunity to gather and to worship you. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge you high and lifted up on your throne. You are sovereign over all. You are holy and righteous. We worship you alone. Lord, we pray for our brother in Haiti, uh, Brother Luzma, and his ministry there to the Haitians and bringing the gospel to that small, corrupt nation. Lord, we pray that your gospel would continue to break down barriers and walls and that many would be reconciled and saved, Lord. And we pray for the corruption of the government that is coming against ministry. And Lord, also that he would be encouraged through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit and emboldened to continue forth in his ministry. Lord, we, prepare, we ask that you prepare our hearts this morning as we read your word, as we are guided in your word this morning. Lord, as we are strengthened in the truth of your word, as it pertains to the subject of unity and reconciliation. Lord, would you guide our hearts this morning? Would you, would you open up our minds and our hearts to see the truth that Jesus Christ and the gospel is the only source of true unity? Pray these things through the power of the name of your son, Jesus. All of God's people said, amen. I want you to focus this morning on your bulletins because... This morning, we're going to take a journey throughout the, the whole of Scripture as it pertains to the concept of unity and unity through the pouring out of the Spirit. And I'm hoping to be able to unpack this uh, throughout the morning. So if you look to your bulletin, you'll see we're going to travel uh, from Genesis to the book of Acts and then conclude in Revelation. So look into your bulletin. God's word says this, Genesis 1, 26, the beginning part, it says, Then God said, quote, let us make man in our image and after our likes. In verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, he gave them this command, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Moving to Genesis 9, the account of Noah, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them this command, be fruitful and multiply and fill earth. Then the account of the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, 1, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. In verse 4, then they, that is speaking here, man said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. In verse 7, God speaking now says, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them, that is humanity, from there over the face of all the earth. And then looking forward now to the book of Acts, this is after the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together, that is the disciples, in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, hear this, for every nation in under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. 
And then now looking forward to Revelation 7, 9. After this, this is the vision of John. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From what? From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. As I've said in the past, you guys have heard this from me, uh, some sermons tend to be a little bit more preachy than teachy. This is going to be a little bit more teachy than teachy. As we move through the whole of Scripture, what, what do all these passages have to do with each other? What are they teaching? What does the whole counsel of God teach us about unity? Again, over the next two weeks, we will tackle two cultural issues that are marked by important dates in January. Tomorrow being Martin Luther King Day brings forth the issue of racism, and the next week the anniversary of the landmark Roe v. Wade case, which legalized abortion in all 50 states, will push us to look into the cultural issue associated with abortion and how, how God addresses the, these issues. I hope that the teaching, teaching scripture over the next two weeks will further equip you and spur you towards action in these two arenas. Again, looking to tomorrow, observing and celebrating civil rights and American history hero, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This week, as I began to prepare, I went back and listened to his famous I Have a Dream speech. And I have to admit, I was brought to tears as I listened to his words and his closing out of that speech, and I looked at the landscape where we're at in, in America, and we see severe disunity across our land. His peaceful leadership and powerful words followed in the footsteps of the foundation laid for racial reconciliation through the leadership of President Abraham Lincoln a hundred years prior to King's moving towards a more equal American society for all. We acknowledge the work of Dr. King and appreciate his passion for the application of the Christian message of unity in the arena of ethnic bias in the form of racism. Drawing an illustration you should use by Pastor Ryan Fullerton when hearing him preach on this topic. Ryan Fullerton's a pastor at Daniel Church here in Louisville. He used a similar illustration. I've kind of tailored it to my life. Cultural currents are at play as they relate to this week's cultural topic that we tackle, again, is is racism or bias. My wife and I grew up about 60 miles from Huntington and Newport Beach. I don't expect you to know where those are at. They're in Southern California. The beach is my wife and I's and our family's favorite vacation spot. You give give a place where the water meets the sand and there's a sun that shines down, down in heat, and that's where I want to be especially on a morning like this morning. And so we frequented the beach in our high school years as we dated, and early in our marriage. 
Most of the miles on our first car that we bought together were racked up driving the 120-mile round trip to the beach and back. We enjoyed body surfing, boogie boarding, wading in the waves. The ocean at Huntington Beach in particular is famous for surf competitions. If you've ever watched a surf competition on ESPN, it probably was at Huntington Beach in Southern California. It is known as Surf City. And with the large waves of Huntington Beach comes undercurrents, currents underneath the water. If you've ever swimmed in the ocean, swam in the ocean, you felt that current pulling you underneath. An undercurrent is difficult to deal with because it's unseen. You don't see it. One time as we body surfed near the pier there in Huntington Beach, I tried to keep a, a watchful eye towards the shoreline. Little did I know that the current wasn't the normal dramatic pool from, from underneath that it typically had in that area, but rather it was just a slow pulling current. It slowly pulled us further and further from shore, but Karen and I didn't really recognize it because we couldn't feel it. We just were being pulled further from where our kind of anchor point was where we were swimming. I didn't realize it until I noticed off in the distance that this red thing was moving towards us. What people at beaches wear red swim trunks? Lives. And so a lifeguard starts start swimming towards us, and then, then I kind of get my proximity and my bearings and look around, and it's like, oh, we've been pulled way offshore out towards the end of that pier in Huntington Beach. The current had pulled us away from our original area and out towards the end of that long pier. The lifeguard came and guided us back to safety. Actually, he came and rescued my wife first and left me out there to fend for myself. Then he came and saved me. You see this? You see this? Could be said of race relations and how the church should respond to this particular issue of disunity. Why the illustration of that undercurrent? It's because the culture has begun to inform the church on this, this issue more so than the Word of God. You see, I, I tell you this morning, and I'm, I'm certain that most, if not all of you, would affirm this. The Bible is the only source of authoritative and, and truthful teaching to all that it speaks. And yet the cultural currents have slowly begun to pull the church away from our anchor, from home base. And though we may get insight from philosophy and learn about culture, the cultural teachings will always fall short of the, where the Word of God speaks. Again, they're like the slow undercurrent gently pulling us away from our original location. My hope this morning is steer the conversation through the lens of the teaching of the Bible. That's why I skated through the whole trajectory of Scripture this morning. To see where God's Word speaks into this issue that we find within our culture. With this, we look again to God's word to inform us. Our desire for not only the church, 
Our desire is not only for the church to be a place of unity, but also a desire to act within our everyday life to pursue a unified people. People Who would love to see our land unified? I would. And as Dr. King dreamed, people locked hand in hand, all colors of skin together as one human race. Today, again, we journey through the whole of Scripture to witness God's design for unity. And it begins here, creation. It's our first point. It begins with creation. It begins with God. Verse 26 and 27 in Genesis 1. Then then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The story begins at the beginning of all things. We believe, church, in a creator God. The Bible has built that our God is within himself. I want you, he is a diverse verse in a unity all in one. He is three persons in one Godhead, three in one. And all of humanity, every single person has been crafted and created in the image and likeness of the triune God. Every single human being is at its core created in the image of God and therefore every human life is to be viewed with dignity and respect because we are all heirs. This same argument will be made next week. Every human life to be treated with dignity and respect because we are all image bearers. You see, human theories pale in comparison to the truth of God's word in this regard. In fact, we we look at one of those theories, Darwinism, only furthered racism in its survival of the fittest argument. This undercurrent was used to further the established institution of race slavery in the Western world and further segregation as Darwinism infected the Western world with an ideal that that races have evolved further than others. In essence, those from Africa were viewed as subhuman. Case in point, in Kinham and Charles Ware's co-authored book, One Race, One Blood, they tell the story of Otabenga from the Mbuti people of Africa. The Belgians savagely murdered this man's family and captured him. He was purchased by explorer Samuel Erner, brought to the United States, was later put on exhibit with the apes at the Bronx Zoo in the year 1906. A human being put on display with monkeys. Do we see the infection of human philosophy where Darwinism falls short because it drove people to cage human beings and animals and say and say we're the same as 
as mice. Image bearer of the Almighty treated like an animal. I would hope we all would affirm that that is wrong and sinful. The foundation for equality and an ethic of dignity and respect among all human persons is rooted in the statement drawn from Scripture, so God created man in his own image. Our second point this morning, we have a command. Scripture commands. How do we get to this point of bias? These next two points will inform us. Scripture gives a command, Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, here is the command, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The biblical narrative teaches the creation of humanity in the image and likeness of God. We've seen that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And the command to be fruitful and multiply and spread out. That's what God is saying. Go, fill everything up. stay in one place. Procreate. Inhabit. Sub- subdue. Be creators. Our God is creator. We are to reflect the image and likeness of God. Reflect the dominion of God within his beautiful creation. But all humanity in all of its wisdom and self-seeking disobeyed God. Not only did Adam and Eve disobey God in his instruction to not eat of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they also disobeyed the mandate to go and be full and fill the earth. So we witness our third point, a consequence. I need to fill in some gaps here in our story. After Adam and Eve, the Bible tells of the increasing wickedness of humanity. This happened in history. As recorded in the beginnings of Genesis, God pours out his wrath in a great flood. Noah and his family are spared. Are you guys familiar with that story? And from Noah, we learn from Scripture, the lineage of all peoples can be traced. Genesis 10, 32-2, just that through the sons of Noah, the nations spread throughout the earth. But they did not spread because of their obedience to the command. Not only do we witness a directive from God to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28 to be what? Fruitful and multiply. But also to Noah and his sons in Genesis 9 verse 7. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. The same command. Go. Fill the earth. Spread out. response of sinful human God is found in Genesis 11. We'll look, we'll look at verse 4. This is man speaking here. It says, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Here's a question. What, what was God's directive again? Go! What was man's response? Now, we're going to stay here and we're going to build something for our glory. Man's response was, is, disobedience. And herein lies the issues of 
the philosophies and theories perpetuated in regards to ethnic bias or racism, they all miss the mark on this point. They miss the mark of diagnosing the disease because they're focused on a symptom. In the words of Dr. Tony Evans, he says, we don't have a skin problem, we have a sin problem. That's where the philosophies of the world miss the mark. They don't talk about sin. They talk about symptoms. Humanity has disobeyed the commands and directives of God. And because of this disobedience, their refusal in not one, but two separate episodes in Genesis to be fruitful, multiply, and increase greatly, that is, fill the earth, spread out, God had to take matters into his own hands. After seeing the disobedience of man in Genesis 11, and men desiring to elevate themselves to the position of God, the Bible tells us this, that God said this, He says, come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord, what, dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. God said, you're not going to listen to me? Then I'll handle it myself. Boom, you're scattered. And now you can't understand each other anymore. From Noah's son, nations are birthed. God directed them to spread out and multiply. They disobeyed. God spread them out himself, confused their language. And it is from this point, from here, that we witness the, the further emergence of bias and hatred, which is the root of racism. You see, we talk about racism, but the root of it is bias and hatred. Bias based on the look or culture, social class of someone else is wrong. And it's spoken directly in the scriptures. James says very clearly in chapter 2, verse 1 of his epistles, what does he say? My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God, or the Lord of glory. What does no mean? No. No partiality. See, there's a consequence for our disobedience to God. Consequences are viewed through history. Church, we only need to look at history. That bias and racial unrest will be evident each day of our lives. We see it play out in our culture. We've seen it around the world. It's evident in the deep hatred between Israelites and Arabs. It's evident, if you recall back to the 90s, it's evident in the deep hatred and ethnic cleansing between the Hutu and Tutsi tribes of Rwanda. Go back through and read that history. It's terrible. It is evident in the World War II concentration camps of Germany. It is evident in the man-stealing slave trade from Africa into the West world. It is evident in the Jim Crow laws of post-Civil War America. And unfortunately, it is evident in 1976, right here in Shepherdsville, as 260 members of the Ku Klux Klan marched down the streets of our town. Fortunately, at least the city had pulled their parade permit, but they still paraded through there. 
If we fail to acknowledge the root of bias, hatred, and racism as a sin problem, we will fail to find the real solution to disunity in our land. You see, but God, God had perfect, perfect plan. Again, he is a triune God. God is diversity and unity one. He is three in one. And so it brings us to our fourth point, coherence. Coherence. Or the bringing together of diverse elements. I, I needed a C here, okay, to finish it out. I had to go to the thesaurus to get this word. I worked hard on that one. The bringing together of things. You see, at the Tower of Babel, the language of humanity was confused. I want you to think through the trajectory of Scripture here. Here, The language of humanity was confused and first, but after now, Acts happens where in the, the history of Scripture? After Christ's life, death, resurrection, and ascension. It happens right at the beginning of the book of Acts. Our Lord and Savior is our only source of hope and comfort in a world that is so deeply divided. Our Lord ascended to heaven, and he promised that he would pour out his spirit on his followers. And so we pick up that story in Acts chapter 2. God's word says this, when the day day of cost arrived, they, that is the disciple story, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, it just so happens, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. If you continue reading in the the book, it'll detail all the different places that they came from. And at, at this sound, the multitude came together. Remember Babel. Now the Spirit is moving, and what happens the people are brought together. The multitude came together and they were bewildered. Why? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Do you see the connection here? At the Tower of Babel, humanity disobeyed God and were dispersed, confused, existed in disunity. But now the redemptive plan comes full circle. That which was confused is heard clearly. The disciples now, empowered by the Spirit of God, are speaking the good news of Jesus Christ, and people from every nation can hear it. Jews and devout men are hearing in their own language. Confusion at Babel, unity at Pentecost, under the Spirit of the Lord. This is the power of the Almighty. This this is the truth of the Word of God. This is the reconciliation that is available only through the work of Christ. This is the unity that comes about through a people united under the Holy Spirit. It's the reason why the church should be at the forefront of unity We should be a beautiful picture of unity. But if you were to go on social media and read some of the stuff that's being put out there, 
we'll appear more divided than ever. But God won't fail. Spirit won't fail to influence. As we are empowered by God's Holy Spirit, we draw from the teachings of Scripture that we are under our diverse exteriors, one human race underneath. God created beautiful things, that's no mistake. But we bleed the same blood, unified, one human race. That's why our world can continue to be deeply divided because the world ignores the root cause of the issue. The issue is sin, and the answer is Jesus. The answer is the pouring out of his Holy Spirit and a unity of people that it makes no sense that they get along, but only by the grace of God. Quoting Dr. Ed again, He says this, every attempt to address this evil in speaking in this statement towards racism leads to the frustration of seeing it pop up somewhere else. Don't we see that? You speak into it here and now it pops up over here. You speak into it here and it pops up over here. Countless workshops, he says, seminars and symposia have not led to a cure for this cultural cancer. Why has this evil been so difficult to eradicate, he asks. Again, quoting the, the same quote from earlier, because, because racism is not first and foremost a sin problem, but a sin problem. See, when you believe that, that racism is a skin problem, you can take 300 years of slavery, court decisions, marches, and the federal government involvement, and what? And still not get it fixed. But once you admit that racism is a sin problem, you are obligated as a believer to deal with it the right way. As long as the issue of race is social and not spiritual, it will never be dealt with in any ultimate sense. And we, church, have the good news of unity through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that message. Culture so desperately wants, but they can't find it because they're listening to the echoes off the wall. They're listening to the lies of the enemy. We have the truth, church. And so how do we deal with this issue? We deal with it in Christ alone. In Christ alone. We cannot only deal with bias and hatred within social constructs because those will fail. Those will fall short. But we must deal with it at a spiritual level. In Christ alone, our hope for unity is found. True unity can only be found in the hope of the gospel and a transformed people seeking to rid themselves of cultural bias. It's the beauty of the church when you bring a group of people together again and it makes no sense while they are in, why they are in one community except for the fact that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them and they have been bought by the blood of Christ and brought together in unity to worship one God. 
The church should and must be, be the most unified people in the world. We should and must be the ones modeling the vision of Dr. Martin Luther King when he declared, I have a dream. And we should be driven to emulate the beautiful picture as we land here in Revelation, the beautiful picture of every nation locked hand in hand in praise and adoration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation 7, 9 to 12, it says this, so, so vision, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no, no number from every nation, from all, hear this, tribes and peoples and languages, from every nation, standing where? Before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Why are we in white robes? Because the blood of Christ has washed us clean of all of our sin with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around around them and around the elder and the four living creatures, and what they faced on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so what do we do? Where do we begin? Five points of application. They're not written in your notes. You guys, you guys jot these down. The first thing we're going to do, church, is keep pressing in to the, to the word and the instruction of the scriptures. Because the philosophies of this world and the world system is nothing compared to the truth of the Word of God. And so when you hear things are a certain way, you can open the Bible and read and say, I see God's design for unity, and that doesn't match up. We examine according to this, because the cultural philosophies and worldviews and theories, they come and they go. But this, this truth since forever. We do a few other things. I stated these in a sermon I preached in May or June, kind of on a similar topic. We also do this as we look around our country. I hope that, I hope that we lament where we're at, that it burdens us, that it burdens us that we're so fractured, that we cry out to God that he would... He would break down, down walls that are dividing us. And that the church would be a beacon of unity in the midst of a land that is so divided. That we would lament. Third, that we would listen. That we would just be quiet and listen. Our culture now is not designed that way because we want to jump on the computer or on our iPhone and we're going to share all of our thoughts and we're going to blast them out on our social media, for all the world to see, but we're never going to listen to what anybody has to say. Church, we have to listen. We have to, have to sin, listen. I think God's word says something about this. 
that we would be quick to listen to other people and that we would be slow to speak. Listen. Number four, that we would love and empathize with others. I use, 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 I feel for you that are hurting. Love and empathy. Lastly, I would say the most most important, we present the gospel as our only hope for, for true and lasting unity. This is our only hope, church. Jesus Christ is our only hope. We can try thing after thing after thing after thing, social program after social program, but what the world needs is the gospel. They need Jesus Christ as their Savior. They need to be a new creation. They need to be made new by God's Holy Spirit, renewing their mind, being filled and being transformed. That is the way of unity. That is the only way that any, that any true or lasting change can come. And the, the good news is, is that we have, we have Galatians 7, 9, 9 to 12 to tell us that that will come to pass. That a day will come to pass where all nations, all tribes, all languages, all peoples are standing before the throne of God and singing his praises. Amen. I want to invite the band to come forward. Each and every week here at North Bullet Christian Church, we receive the Lord's Supper. We take time to reflect. On his, on his goodness and grace, which was displayed to us through his, through his death on a cross, we remember his sacrifice to cover sin. We do that through receiving bread and juice. The bread represents the body of Christ, which was broken for us. The juice represents... The blood of Christ which was shed for us. His blood is an atoning blood. It's a covering blood. It covers our sin. It's, it's why in Revelation 7, 9, it could say that they were clothed in white robes because they were, their sins were atoned for. They're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And so we remember the sacrifice of Jesus cover our sin. And then Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. me. Often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until ends. Then he warns, whoever, whoever that eats the bread or drinks, drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And so he instructs us, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so, church, I urge you this morning, for those of you who are followers of Christ, to examine yourself, to repent of known sin in your life, and to seek to be reconcilers and unifiers in your life. That's what Jesus has done for us. He reconciled a relationship. 
He reconciled our broken relationship with the Father. He came and lived the perfect life, life for a died, a criminal's death on the cross, raised from the dead, and he defeated death in the grave. And so we remember him this morning. We'll have a few minutes after we pray for you to sit and quietly reflect before you receive the Lord's Supper. And then after that, we'll stand together and sing as people who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, unified with one voice. And then as we leave this morning, we'll be able to give generously back to the mission of North Bullet Christian Church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We thank you for this opportunity to gather to see what your word has to say about unity and our desire as a church to be unified. Lord, we pray against the disunity in this land and the division that we see, but we know the reason for this is sin. And we know that you have an answer to that and that you have entrusted that to your church to proclaim and to share. And so, Lord, I pray that you would embolden us as followers of Christ to spread the gospel. Just as you commanded Adam and Eve and Noah and his son to go and multiply, you have commanded us to go, go and make disciples, to spread out and to proclaim your lordship over every square inch of your creation. And so, Lord, I pray that you would raise us up, that we can spread that true message of unity and hope. That we would look past the latest fad or philosophy of this world that won't fix a thing, and we look to our true hope, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for our hearts as we receive the Lord's Supper this morning that we would repent of any sin that we have in our life, that we would seek, seek, heal, and mend broken relationships, that we would eat and drink and remember our Savior. And Lord, then as we stand and we sing, that we would sing of people remembering and acknowledging the cost of Christ to cover our sin. We could sing out as people who have been redeemed by his blood. And then as we leave this morning, that we would give back to the mission of this church generously. Lord, we are so thankful for the truth of your word, the consistency of your word, the timeliness, the timelessness of your word. Let us dwell in that. We pray these things, things through our, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said,